At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. It's the podcast where we talk about educational films, caught experimental films, and interesting documentaries. Uh, today we are getting into a big one of those caught films, but this is actually a uh, rebroadcast from my other podcast, the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. We're having a bit of a cheat month and we somehow convinced Tommy Chong to come and talk to us about Up in Smoke. You know, um, when we when when I got him on, this podcast hadn't quite gotten on guests yet, so um, it, it, it predated that. But it seems to almost be a better fit for here, so um, I'm going to go ahead and give you that particular conversation. Uh, if this is the one you listen to, and I, I think you're going to dig it, we had a great time. So here we go. the year 1978 everything went up in smoke okay <laughs> that works that works so yes yeah. um, we're doing the weird sci-fi sanctuary today this is our this is kind of our cheap one where we're doing some other movies and things like that um you know this one does have like a a fine thc resin that i guess could count as science fiction but uh, it's it's still cheating so uh this is matt this is Luke. Welcome to the Celluloid Sanctuary. Um, we're, we're doing Up in Smoke today. Uh, we're kind of double guesting here. One of them uh, is a, a regular in the sanctuary, and uh, him and I in our early 20s, you know, ran around doing our Cheech and Chong impression. So um, ah, it, seemed like a, uh, it seemed like a good guy to bring in. And, and, and the other guy's Tommy Chong. So <laughs> that's, all the, that's all the introduction we need to hear, I think. So. <laughs> I'm well, that's good. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> you never said <laughs> <Malachi>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm some guy. I used to smoke. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but, Don't we all? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. thanks for coming in. Cause, um, uh, yeah. You're, you you don't have your name on, I mean, you got your name in the title, but, um, you actually like uh, understand directed it as well. Well, I, you know, the thing is, uh, there was some argument about it, but every time they would say, well, who wrote the script? I wrote the script. Now the script was only 40 pages, but I'll, that's all I needed in order to tell people where to go. You know, because Cheech and I are improvisational actors. We didn't have any lines to read. We just, you know, winged it as we went along. And then the rest of the, the cast caught on and uh, like Strother Martin and uh, Kate uh, Stacy Keach, you know they're they're genius actors, and so improvisation to them is 
you know, the only problem with those actors is shutting them up. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, a, a trick to get them to improv. You know, the improv everything. Like Strother Martin wrote every line in that. Uh, you get a job by sundown, or I'll ship you off to military school with that Finkelstein kid. You know, well, Strother wrote every bit of that dialogue, and same as Casey, uh, Stacy uh, Keach. You know, when he was. Uh, uh, all his dialogue, for the most part, was his dialogue. He he improvised it. So, so, but I saw the movie. I, I, I got to tell you, for the first time in a long time, and I realized why it was such a hit. You know why it was such a hit? I'm no. gonna go with it's like a really, really well-made home movie almost. It just it's like hanging it's, out. It's right? funny. <laughs> it's really it, funny. It was a musical. It All was right. a musical when you look at it. And, and the genius part about it, we didn't suffer a lot of, uh, you know, long music bits. Mm. What we did, we did comedy, 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 up to the one concert. And, and then we stayed on the concert long enough, way longer than you would normally. But because that's all we had. We had to milk the hell out of it. And by milking the hell out of it, we appealed to the stoner audience that, you you know, you can't get enough. You know, a lot of times uh, if you're if you're stoned, the music stops too soon. If you're not stoned, then the music goes on too long. <laughs> but the, the great thing about Up in Smoke, everybody was stoned. And so that Eric My Eye song went on forever. But it was so classic because then every, you know, it was like the big finale at the end. Everybody gets stoned. The cops get stoned. And it shows you that marijuana brings people together and, and everybody hugging and loving and everything good. And then it was the ending that I, that I really directed because uh, uh, Lou and the boys uh, put in a, it was all a dream ending. And that was the worst ending possible, if you can imagine. <laughs> no, I put, oh, I, God. I put in my uh, notes, it may not be the best musical performance of all time, but it is whenever you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I said. It was the way it was constructed. You know, you never got, we never put any kind of storyline in, in the way. You know, it was just, we just, uh, Tried to get high, got deported, met, you know, got chased by the cops, uh, went to the police station. I mean, all those things. It was like we we. It was a day in the life of uh, of a couple of stoners, musicians, musicians. Because that's the key. You know, it wasn't to get high to get high, but it was to get high in order to play music. And then then in the end, when I get too stoned on quaaludes, that was another message. Because, you know, I've been in bands and, and the worst thing, worst scenario is your drummer gets high on downers, you know, because now now you've got no rhythm section, you know. And and one time I was playing a gig uh, with, with my band up in uh, in B.C. and we're at a, a gig and, and that exact thing happened. The drummer got high on something. We didn't know what it was. And he fell off the stage backwards. <laughs> one, one minute, one minute we had a drummer. Next minute, he was gone. 
<laughs> and so, so when we when I wrote the movie, I wrote that part in there where the drums, the drummer was high on quaaludes or whatever, and and then when he went to play his drums, the drum set fell apart, you know, and and and, and uh, you know, I, we just accidentally stumbled on the the combination because when you read screenwriting books, which I did later, they tell you, you know, that. 20 minutes in, you got to have something real special happen. And then you got to have a really good out joke and so on. And we had all those. And, and so I was, I was really pleased when I saw the movie. But um, yeah, Luke, you know, since um, now, you know, there, there actually was no plot. About <laughs> give us the plot. <laughs> I mean, you kind of just did it for me anyway, but yeah, I'll do the official reading out the plot section. <laughs> Pedro picks up a hitchhiker Fellow stoner, man The two head back to his house And start a band But then realise they have nothing to smoke This leads them on an epic quest That takes them to Pedro's cousin Strawberry A shell-shocked Vietnam vet Down to Mexico And then back up to the States In a van made entirely of marijuana All while being pursued by Sergeant Stadenko they both managed to piss on the sergeant along the way before heading to a battle of the bands and winning by getting the entire audience stoned. That's it. That's, right. <laughs> that's it. Now, in there, in there were some good messages. You know, the the being deported. You know, uh, and and it was oh, it's okay. It's my cousin, man. He's got a wedding in Tijuana, and so he turns himself in so he gets a free bus ride to Tijuana. Oh, you really know those funny. kind of messages. Those <laughs> kind of messages. Yeah, and then we had those the the wacky, uh, the coke sniffer. You know, uh, June Fairchild mm. when she's doing that, <laughs> you know, all those sounds that she made. You know, those were iconic moments that I, I you know, I knew she could do these weird things with her with her mouth, and so I, you know, I put her in the movie. She was she was an actress for sure. You know, she's a qualified actress, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of those uh, moments in there. Spur of the moment, by the way, mm. you know, Cheech peeing in the hamper. That wasn't in the, in, in a, any any script. We put it in there when we thought about it during lunch one time. <laughs> and then uh, the, the fuck me Alex bit, you know, in, in, behind the Roxy. <laughs> Same thing. That was a true story that she told us when we were driving to the Roxy. And so when we got there, we said, hey, well, let's shoot it. And so we set up the cameras and that, and we did that bit. So there was a lot, you know, the, the freedom that Cheech and I had, uh, we, we could only do it one time. We couldn't do it. We couldn't repeat that. You, you know, there's only a one time for a one time, you know, and that was it. Yeah, I was thinking of other comedians that are like so identified with their you know, they're some of their main characters, like uh, the whole Borat thing. You can only do Borat once. I mean, well, he did it twice, but, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. once once they know who you are, you can't really get away with it again. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, you know, you're done. You're done. And that was one of the things Cheech had a good instinct because Cheech kind of rebelled after after Up in Smoke. He kind of wanted to get away from that Chicano character, you know. And uh, by the time we hit uh, 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 the Corsican brothers, you know, he had, he had, he had been done because it was kind of, um, uh, it was hard for him to do that character continually, you know, because uh, he was such a well-educated, is 
such a well-educated Chicano, you know, and, and he's got all sorts of, uh, you know, brains with with the Chicano art and history and, you know, all that stuff that was, it was like a professor putting on a lowrider outfit, you know, and, 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 and becoming a lowrider. And if you look at the rest of our movies, he, he never reached that height of Chicanoism in anything after that. Well, I guess it's a uh, it was a trip to to Nash Bridges eventually, which that was a good show, but very different <laughs> character for him there. That's what I mean. He's doing he's doing Nash Bridges now. In fact, they're they're, they're doing a revival, and if it uh, sells, then then he's off being a cop again. You know, all the shows coming back. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Those shows are yeah. We usually, uh, of course, we usually talk a little bit about actors. Uh, we, we've got you here, but um, let's let's talk about a few more of those bit parts you mentioned. A few, and um, I, I know Tom Skerritt's uh, "Strawberry" certainly sticks out. <laughs> it is yeah, so terrifying. Yeah. Well, we used uh, um, God. My brain's crumbling on me. Robert Altman's movie people, and Skerritt was one of his favorite actors. And so we used Scarrett, we used uh, Stacy Keach, and uh, a lot of the cops were from uh, uh, Robert Altman's. And Robert Altman's the king of improvisational movie making. And so, but Scarrett, I, I, I had envisioned, well, the reason we called the guy Strawberry, <laughs> and when, when, they, when they booked uh, Scarrett, we had to change it. Uh, because Strawberry re- originally was called Strawberry for his red hair. You know, there was there was a, really a strawberry that I met in Vancouver. Uh, this was no, I guess it was the time when I changed the the strip club into an improvisational club, and uh, strawberry was sitting on a bag of garbage. There's a garbage strike in Vancouver at the time, <clears throat> and it was evening, and it was a little slight snowfall. And uh, Strawberry was sitting on this big bag of bags of garbage, and he had a long coat on. He's got long hair, and he had a little, like a like a man's hat, and uh, and I, and he's just sitting there. And I think he'd done a tab of acid or something, because I walked up to him and I said, what, "What's your name?" And he said, "Strawberry Man." <laughs> and, uh, and and I said, oh, that's cool. And what do you do? He said, nothing. And I said, uh, and then he said, hey, man, do you know, do you have a place where I could crash tonight? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I had a, a nightclub and I had a, the light booth was kind of cozy and there was a heater and everything in the, in the club itself. And bathrooms and everything. So I said, "Yeah, you want to stay in the in, in the club?" And so he stayed in the club and became our light man. And so when we wrote the bit for Strawberry, that's what I envisioned. You know, we envisioned a guy with red hair. And so when uh, Tom Skerritt shows up, and and you know Altman and the you know the the Lou Lombardo and them, you know they 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 liked him. They wanted to use him because of his name. And so we then we put a Strawberry birthmark on him so mm. so that's why he was called strawberry <laughs> but yeah i was scared he was he was pretty cool and and they wrote like uh lombardo and those guys they wrote that whole motorcycle bit you know with teach riding a side saddle with them i never wrote that 
Oh yeah, that's a that's a fun image. Um, that's great. His action man jump off the motorcycle was actually pretty impressive. <laughs> well, that was a uh, that was a, uh, a stunt double. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much, but it's still a good, it still it wasn't change. It was a good stunt. <laughs> yeah, people people are asking me, uh, you know, how did you do all those things? And I didn't want to break their bubble, but we had stunt people. <laughs> For the most part, I, I did all my own stunts, and Cheech, for the most part, did did his. But there were so many crazy things in that movie, you know, like uh, don't answer the phone even if it's me, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never, you know, I, I before this podcast, I went and listened to a few of the albums because uh, being the age I am, you know, you're always like a, a movie, a movie crew. So I, yeah. Just how some of those bits like like did organically kind of fit in because uh, once you know it's a bit, it's like oh yeah, the bits in the movie. But it never occurred to me till I just listened to all the albums. Well, yeah, uh, Lou, uh, the director and the producer, he wanted to call the movie. In fact, he had the working title was Cheech and Chong's Greatest Hits. You see, and then I came into oh, the uh, the writing room one day and I said I wrote a song. And so I played it for him, Up in Smoke. And then Cheech said, that's the name of the movie. And then Cheech wrote his Mexican version of uh, Up in Smoke. But uh, it was a song that I wrote just for the movie, you know. I, didn't take me long. See, I'm a songwriter that will work if he has a project, <laughs> you know. But I, I haven't learned the, the art of writing a song just for the joy of writing a song. <laughs> Mark, I know you made the note that the uh, the band practice seemed pretty spot on. Oh yeah, that was what, that's what band practice is like. <laughs> <laughs> you never get around to playing. You know, oh, just a minute, I got to move my car, uh, or yeah, <laughs> all the weird. I, I, yeah. yeah, I've been in band yeah. practice. I've been in bands where the practice is canceled like three yeah. out of five times. <laughs> and even with a whole oh, band yeah. is there, it's just like, oh, or, or, or you practice, or you practice songs that you never intended to practice. And, yeah, and, you and, just and, end up playing like Inagata yeah. Vita for twenty minutes, then he can't. Practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. you get to the, then you get to the gig, and then you, well, let's let's try the new song, and they go, no, I don't know it yet. Well, let's try it anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been through a few of those. But you know what I did? I always hired really, because I owned the nightclubs. And so I would hire the best musicians that I could find. And they were usually jazz musicians because they were the ones that couldn't get work. <laughs> you know, yes. all the other schlock musicians were working. But the jazz musicians, they were all available because they had, you know. And so when, when, when I put a band together, you know, I would let, pick their brain and say, what, what do you think? You know, what, what, you know, how about, you know, what, what, how about doing this tune or what that tune? I, I was very uh, diplomatic. You know, I was never hard nosed because I was usually the weakest musician in the group. And, and so that's, that's where I got my sort of uh, ability to work with really good people and bring out the best in them and not get in their way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so as, yeah, especially important. as a musician, because because even though I, I wrote the song and I played guitar, I was never I wasn't in the, in the when we recorded with Motown. Uh, There's your mama know about me. 
I, I was never, <laughs> I never made the cut to play on the album. <laughs> I heard but, uh, Brian Wilson got you know kicked off of a Phil Spector session for not playing piano well enough. So it happens. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, wouldn't Phil Spector yeah, yeah. just kick yeah. somebody out because he was? Well, he also had waved guns around him. I just apparently shot someone with a gun. So, you know, it's like the, the signs were there, I guess. But right. uh, <laughs> a, a couple of their well, just... insisted they didn't play on that album at all, things like that. Yeah, well, there, there are, there are, there are uh, like studio musicians, and then there's uh, performing musicians. You know, there, there is a difference. You know, and uh, I'm so glad that I couldn't play guitar that good because man every genius guitar player i've ever known died in either in poverty or <laughs> with drugs or or some kind of some kind of weirdness and in fact i my my daughter now her her uh, mate her guy is a good one of the fine real fine guitar player you know and he never worked all during the pandemic you know and, and i got a son i my uh Second oldest son, Gibran, he, he's got a degree in percussion from Boulder University. And I've been supporting him ever since. <laughs> so so that's the life of, of a musician. You know? um, now, one of the things we thought about going directly towards this, and, and, and Luke, I'm going to throw the ball your way to just, just get that Godzilla ball rolling a little bit. Well, I mean, I live in Japan now. And like forty percent of the reason for that is Godzilla. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you just really want your home to be destroyed. Every time I look, I look out my window and I got the big buildings <laughs> and the mountain. I'm like, yeah, I could see Godzilla coming over that mountain and smashing some stuff. Up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in the form of a tsunami, for sure. Well, yeah, I guess that's why Japan went and created Godzilla is because there's always something smashing up the city. Yeah, yeah, earthquakes or something, you know, rearranging the and and it's and it's funny too because they're the most gentle, warlike people on the planet. <laughs> they're they're a very confusing people. Yeah, they are full of contradictions. <laughs> well, apparently they're the artistic tribe from China that found uh, you know that ended up on the island. I I don't know. Uh, maybe that's. Yeah, a little, a little bit from China, a little bit from Korea, that sort of thing. Yeah, and there's actually uh, some of the, especially Hokkaido has the uh, Ainu, which are not like, you know, they don't have the same blood at all as uh, general Japanese. And sort of like the, um, you know, Native American First Nation situation in the States, right? It kind of got pushed and pushed in, uh, to the top corner of the island eventually. But uh, yeah, the, the originals. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually yeah, did, I, I, especially in Hokkaido, which is a northern island, they had a bit of that. So, but mm -hmm. now, you know, they're, I guess, trying to like resuscitate it, you know, have some of those cultures come back. Uh, we had a company trip where um, just the town was like, you know, had a bunch of Ainu designs and was trying trying to bring back a little bit of that kind of culture. So a little. What do Ainu designs look like? Oh, man. Um, Can you describe them? No. <laughs> Okay, then don't, don't, don't. I think I got a bag that vaguely, um, I'll, I'll get that out of the butt thing here. I think I got something to show you, but uh, yeah. Well, in the meantime, go ahead with it. With vague, it vaguely face. looks a little Post it on the Facebook page. That's what your Facebook page is for. Post some my new designs on the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do looks like a Russian version of Japan. 
Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The Russian version. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. You know, in Russia it was the Mongols that came through there, right? Oh yeah, the Mongols. Mm-hmm. The Mongols tried to get Japan a few times, but never quite pulled it off. Yeah, they 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 were too uh, sea bound, right? They, they, I well, mean, um, that's where the protected. phrase kamikaze comes from. It's because the storm took out the Mongol ships, and it means oh, it means oh, wind for God. Yeah, so kamikaze yeah. means God's wind, ah. and that's what the pilots cool. named themselves after. Yeah, okay. I mean, no, I, I love I love that whole Asian culture. Well, like my dad was. Uh, Cantonese, you know, Chinese, and and, and like full-on Cantonese, <laughs> and it was so funny because when I brought my first black girlfriend home, because I, you know, I learned how to dance, and I was dancing with Lindy Hop, and, and she was my partner, and so I brought her home, and my dad almost had a heart attack. <laughs> he called me and he was, son, she's black, <laughs> and I said, dad. You're Chinese. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, we actually getting back to Zilla. The Zilla, no, Zilla is the one from the late nineties, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't bring that up. <laughs> Sorry, it's too late. Um, yeah, last year on, on this podcast, we actually talked about the the Japanese version of the original, which is definitely like kind of a different uh, creature and on multiple levels. Um, the the American cut is way fun, of course, but there I, I think we came to the conclusion the Japanese had the stronger message, was it? Well, the Japanese film is like a work of art, and then the American like dubbed version is just a fun monster romp, and they both yeah. got their place, obviously. But the, the original Japanese film is literally haunting. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of their 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 stuff is uh, got depth that's unbelievable. You know, and uh, I, I love that whole Oriental acting anyway, because it can be so over the top. And, yeah, it, and then it can be, and then it became, then it be, it can be so touching and so, whoa, whoa, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've been a bit, bit, big, uh, been a big fan of uh, Japanese everything, art, uh, carvings. You know, like I've been trying to do my version of the these uh netskis you know only my my i i, I carve fish fish like it you know and i like the wabi uh, what's it called wabi sabi the 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 art of the on art <laughs> right yeah yeah everything very I, simple yeah simple or there's a mistake in it somewhere right yeah yeah, yeah the I, small I, mistake to make it the imperfection that makes it perfect yeah, the the Navajo natives call it to leave a little in uh, uh, an escape, so the spirit can 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 escape. So you don't want it perfect. An interesting thing yeah. in Japan, though, is uh, that flaw is missing from the imperial sets. The imperial and traditionally the the emperor and his family had ones that were not chipped. Ah, so this would make it. The, very, very unique. Well, the, the Japanese tried their best to make the guy a deity. Uh, right up, right up until World War Two, it was in the textbooks that he was like the grandson of a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was only, it was only when they surrendered that um, he went on the radio and said, "I'm just a man." 
Yeah. Right yeah. up until then, but, he was officially but, a deity, yeah. Yeah, that must yeah, have been they, really they, dramatic. They, like to yeah. um, well, um, most Japanese people had never heard his voice either, right? You were kept at quite a distance from the emperor. Um, and I think yeah. most people were just shocked because he talks very softly, like, hello, I am Emperor Hirohito. And obviously they were expecting, <laughs> they were expecting this booming, I am Emperor. But no, he, was, he wasn't that at all. Dainty little character. <laughs> yeah, Japan keeps their, uh, generally keeps their imperial family a little bit more unseen than, say, the British, which... Uh... These, these days oh, they're, yeah. they're closer to the British model, but... I have a feeling so the, British... Uh, the British might be uh, about to lower their profile a little bit, maybe. The royalty. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. You that think that, wild. but like Prince Andrew <laughs> happened and they still, we still had like three days of mourning for Prince Philip. So, uh, yeah. I'll say what I always yeah, say. The, 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 the English, they're the original racist. Oh, yeah. Uh, island. <laughs> the original. Oh, yeah. Originally, you can't get it. You can't get any more racist. We invented yeah. racism. There, we're there, trying yeah. over here. Yeah, we do yeah. our best. Yeah, but you, we we sent that <laughs> over there. That is true. We did kind of. You did export it. So uh, <laughs> the racism. Anyway. Anyway. When uh, Harry met uh, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a movie. <laughs> I, I I had I had my uh, video guy put a "Does Your Mama Know About Me" song to to the two of them. And it worked really well because it was like, and it, and we had like Queen Elizabeth in there when it says, "Your mama know about me," and Queen, Queen Elizabeth is giving her that look. But yeah, English man—they've always been the most racist. But so they were so cultured; they could see, they could say uh, the N word with with such class that you kind of uh, <laughs> you kind of well, yeah, maybe they're right. You know, who knows? Yes. Well, the, the thing about the English is even if everyone in the room is white, they'll find a way to be racist to them. So yes. they'll make it they'll make it a class thing or a religious well, thing or something like that. that. They'll find a way to make it like, oh no, you're not as good as me. That's but I had an English architect one time, he told me this funny joke. He said, Oh, it's not it's disgusting, actually. Uh, they asked him how he got along in India, his friend. Is well, I learned if you yell at the wogs loud, loud enough, they uh, will eventually understand you. I mean, that was that was their attitude. That is exactly like yeah. it's a common joke of Brits abroad. Like we go to France or Italy, and it's like if you just speak English louder, then the foreigner understands. <laughs> <laughs> the re the reputation that the English have across the rest of Europe is horrendous because all they think of us as are like overweight drunk soccer hooligans basically yes but how about the germans the germans are worse yeah the germans because the germans bring their lunch and they never go into the cafes when they <laughs> when they when they come into they're rude to, and cheap uh, yeah 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 they're rude and cheap yeah yeah we lived in paris for a while and uh, i i used to go to this one gym and in the and one of the old guys there asked me how long i'd been in, in paris and when i told him he said that's disgusting you should be able to speak French now. <laughs> and so, I, so I learned one phrase in French. Je ne parle pas français. Uh, that was it. I don't speak French. That's pretty I, much I how did Japanese like, is rolling. I did three years uh, of French in high school and I've forgotten everything except my name is Luke and I don't have a monkey called Bob. 
Me too, except I don't know what he thinks. Je n'ai pas le son, je s'appelle Bob. Yeah, yeah, Europe, Europe is, is and how, how's it doing now with all the pandemic? How's Japan doing with the pandemic? Well, Japan's had this weird thing where because people naturally wear masks, wash their hands, don't spend, like, don't get that close. Our numbers have never been that high. But that means yeah. the government have absolutely dragged their heels on everything. Like yeah. um, our manager at work, her 80-year-old mother is just getting her first jab now. Because mm -hmm. Japan, Japan, the government have been absolutely shit, but they've gotten away with it. Because people here are just yeah. pretty sensible naturally. Whereas in the well, UK, it's been like a shit show, but that's forced yeah. them to like really get on it. And now like all of my family have been vaccinated. That's pretty much oh, how it is good. here too. I'm in I'm in Georgia where it was basically we had the lowest rate of vaccinations and then about a month ago they were just like, Okay, everyone can get vaccinated now. It was just a insane catch up thing. I, I drove to Alabama for my first shot. Like oh. that's Oh you did. That's yeah. where we are. Because nobody in Alabama what, wanted one. What what part of uh, Georgia are you in? I'm in Atlanta. I'm just in the middle oh, of Oh, you're Atlanta. You guys just yeah. added some tornadoes there, huh? Yeah. Um, Mark, you got a story. <laughs> well, a, a tree took out part of my house, but that had nothing to do with the tornado. But then the tornado kind of like dumped a bunch of water into my kitchen. But, you know, I'm okay. But, oh, uh, good. Yeah, good. I did. Every, and you got, fire, okay. you, got, you got a year's supply of firewood, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Well, we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, I guess we have lumber now. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, on the news, yeah. it really looked like uh, the South is uh, is reaping uh, Donald Trump's karma. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he, I guess he just <laughs> drops them off on the way to uh, play golf in Florida all those times. I don't think the tornadoes <laughs> make it all the way to Florida, though. Yeah, Atlanta's kind of the end of tornado, yeah, no. I remember. Uh, there were, he, he came here a lot because um, because it's on the way. So there were a bunch yeah. of times he, he would come here on a Friday and just like mess up traffic completely and then just get on his plane and, and leave. Yeah. So yeah. That, that happened like 20 times. Uh, That's people, the Donald. That's the Donald. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> but like people, people here are, we have some of the worst traffic. I mean, and uh, people are mad when people, <laughs> when uh, presidents do that. They're like, don't mess I up, bet. don't make it worse. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I got asked one time about um, doing uh, uh, Mount, I, Mount Rushmore of stoners. And I told him, I said, I don't want to do Mount Rushmore. I want to do Stone Mountain in Atlanta. Oh, dude. That's where I, please, Matt, yeah. please Matt do it. Matt loves telling me about Stone Mountain. <laughs> That's the solution. Yeah, I want to, I want to Everyone put Willie is, Nelson, Willie Nelson, yeah. my face, Cheech, and uh, Snoop Dogg. Get that rolling proposals about that. I, I'm ready. I'm here for it. I will sign the sign okay. the petition. I'm here for let's it. Do it. Let's do let's it. Do let's it. do it. Let's do it. And let's do it right beside the the Confederate uh, one. They got uh, they got some who they got? Some a Confederate general. general. Robert E. Lee and some other guys. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, put us right next to them. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say sandblast the you face and replace guys... them. <laughs> you put on the other take side, and then we'll get rid of the, take get rid right of the first up. one. Yeah. People yeah, be there's like... a lot of uh, 
that is serious talk about how to get rid of that right now. Like that is a that is a serious discussion. That's and yeah, have you guys solution. seen that? You seen how big that thing is? It's yeah, not huge. So really big. <laughs> it, is it took him a hundred years. It took him a hundred yeah. years to carve it. It would only, it would only take ten minutes to just bazooka it down. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they could, like, sell that to somebody. Like, they sold the uh, Trump Tower demolition thing. They sold somebody, yeah. like, their, like, highest donor gets to blow it up. <laughs> Amazing. Well, oh, you know, it'd be even better is to gay up everything, you know? Make, make oh, yeah. the horse. Yeah, put little frills and gay everything up. <laughs> well, it's like, that I was, was just saying the other nice. day, what um, my idea was just to put a big, like, scaffold under it and charge admission, like, 25 bucks. Go there, spray whatever you want on it. It's like it's spray that wash it washes off, so you don't like it doesn't stay permanent. It. But you know, yeah, that's a good one. No, Georgia's incredible. I, 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 Cheech and I used to work there all the time. You know, we, oh yeah, we we had a lot of lot of good times in Georgia. People are great, man. The food is incredible. the The airport, the food in the airport in Atlanta, Georgia, used to be world class. Soul food. It was the best. Like Pascal's, Whenever we were right? driving, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, all, Pascal's all soul awesome. Food. Oh, God, it was good. Oh, yeah. I, I, I miss that Southern cooking. No, pre uh, pre nine eleven, Mark and I would hang out the airport for some reason. <laughs> I think for the <laughs> well, train. It's a huge airport, man. We would push each other in wheelchairs to the uh, sidewalk, moving sidewalks, and you do the thing where you're on the moving sidewalks, just like walking, but it looked like you're standing still, you know, walking <laughs> oh, yeah. backwards. You remember that time I ran up the down escalator? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys? I, did I you guys have? Now. Did you guys used to do the announcements? Uh, oh man, teach, I wish. <laughs> yeah, remember I wish that's, those, those announcements, Mister Dick Rosenia. <laughs> Mr. Dick Gozinia, page and Mr. Dick Gozinia. <laughs> that was one of the cheats used to do. Oh, he had a bunch of them, man. We'd be bored and we'd get on the thing and, and ask for all sorts of weird people. If we'd have now, found a microphone, yeah, we would have done that. I did it a few you... times in a furniture store. <laughs> yeah like 10 20 10 15 years ago i was working in a supermarket so i could use that thing whenever i wanted oh, um, right. and i remember one day david cameron the prime minister was in town and we were like oh shit is he gonna come in our store so i had my phone lined up with the imperial march from star wars and i was oh. getting ready if he came into our supermarket i was gonna start playing but he never came in because, I, I mean, I 100% would have been fired, but it would have been worth it. What do you think of the, the new guy, the Trumpy oh, Boris? looking guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hate him almost oh, more than he's... I hate anyone else on Earth. <laughs> I, I honestly hate him for you, even though he doesn't directly affect my country. I mean, I, yeah. He's, he's done such uh, a good job of creating this persona that he's this harmless clown. But actually, mm -hmm. he's like really awful. Yeah, I was I was paying a weird amount of attention to the whole Brexit thing when it was like brewing, and uh, yeah, that guy really sucks. Yeah, well, he he doesn't yeah. actually care about Brexit. He saw it as his path to power. Yeah, but that's like part of it. It's, it was like a a crass. It was a, a harmful thing, but it was also like a crass career move. At the same time, as but the yeah. most recent thing, um, 
something got leaked from a meeting about like their um like herd immunity plans and the line that he said was let the bodies pile high yeah oh god yeah he couldn't yeah. even have said let the bodies hit the floor no but that's what all the memes have had him saying <laughs> oh okay <laughs> okay well at least somebody yeah well that that that's your answer for the pandemic you know yeah uh, yeah yeah Send that's the herd. definitely what trump well, we can't, well, we can't pause capitalism. That would be crazy, you know? We've got to just yeah. sacrifice more men and, to the mullet. And, and I love the way they say, we got to get back to normal. You'll never get back to normal. There's no way we're every, anybody's going to go back to, to doing the way, you know, doing things the way they did before, you know? Well, it's, I hope, it's, I hope it's enough people have seen what the system's like now to actually care and affect some change. But I'm worried that as soon as people can just go back to the pub, go back to the movie theater, have their little comforts, they'll forget all about it again. I mean, the conversation has changed enough, at least for the whatever hundred or so people that I talk to regularly. That I mean, you can't unchange the conversation, at least for whatever that's worth. People listen well, a lot better when I start reading I mean, off my communist manifestos now. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's like I, I, it's I was like up I and smoke with, changed the conversation with for about weed too. It was like a same same kind of thing where it wasn't reefer madness anymore. Yeah, no, up and smoke changed everybody's life. But I was I was going to say that uh, I was with all these uh, Trumpy billionaires last last night actually, oh, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we had a, it was a birthday party for one of the big investors in my uh, pot company. And so, of course, I was there with uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer. And and we're, <laughs> we're with these billionaires, man. And, oh, God. It was like, I, I, I can't describe it, you know. Because here, here are the, the, some of the richest men in America voting for Trump. It, it, it was it boggled the mind it really did i, I looked at him and, and because the guy was investing in my company you know i couldn't uh, uh or i wouldn't go off on him i wouldn't anyway you know <laughs> I, save your breath you know because of, yeah whoever wants to you know you got reasons but you, you know they're you know they're planning on doing moving from california because of the taxes <laughs> oh boy well you know they, they can't afford to pay him you know <laughs> you can think about it, man. I, I I asked one guy. I said, if they taxed you ninety percent of your wealth, your ten percent, you couldn't spend it in a lifetime, no matter what you did. I know, and it's true, and it's true. But it's a weird. You know, I I kind of studied them because why why are they like that? Why do they like Trump? And and it really is, as far as I can see, is just pure racism. You know, they just don't want to see any brown people or or anybody except white people with any kind of money or power. That's that's the way I see it. I always want to think if I ever, I don't know, somehow got that rich, I'd be different. But it seems like everyone who gets that rich just becomes this money hoarding dragon. Like there's something that clicks in a person's brain when they reach a certain level of wealthiness that they they don't want to share it anymore. Yeah. But they get fear, fearful, you know, and they, they stiff everybody, you know, family, everybody, you know, they just, it's, it, it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the weirdest the thing. Generous people are always the least wealthy. 
Yeah. Well, the, the and and if you're too gen and if you are wealthy and generous, then they really lock you up somewhere, you know, <laughs> because then <laughs> well, you get you're going to shake you the get boat, all right? these. Well, you get divorced. all the bloodsuckers attached to you, you know, but that that's the great thing, you know, with, with Cheech and Chong, if we get our dispensaries going and, and it looks like we're going to be really be hauling in the wealth, <laughs> I'm going to change that whole dynamic. And in fact, you guys can hold me to it, <clears throat> you know, in a few years from now, uh, I'll come on your show and, and, and we'll see if I really lived up to the, to the promise because you know, I got great ideas how we could help uh, help help the world because we got to help the world. You know, because it's it's where we live. You know, yeah. like Timothy Leary used to tell me all about. You know, his his, his mantra was uh, getting on a spaceship, finding another planet. You know, and and I I argued with him. I said, Tim, we're on a spaceship right now. It's called Earth. <laughs> You know, we're traveling through space right now at the speed of 1,035 miles an hour. You can't, and we travel in comfort. You know, we can, <laughs> we don't have to wear space suits and be crammed up in some little cockpit. You know, we can, we can walk around and, and enjoy the, enjoy the, the beauties of this planet. You know, by the way, my, my favorite thing now is watching uh, travel logs you know, all the different countries. And wow, Laos, Laos, you know, next to Vietnam. Yeah. They have, they have the most beautiful women there and beautiful customs. Their, their jobs mainly is, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, with clothing, you know, bright colored clothing, oh, making, yeah. making, making the clothing and wearing it, looking good. Yeah. Laos is crazy good, man. You got to check it out. Right, yeah, Vietnam is really yeah. high on my list because I love those mountains. So I want to go visit there. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll drop in Laos on the way. <laughs> yeah, and, and they got is. they got elephants in the jungle, and nice. and they're shy. They're, they hide in the jungle. They hide in the bamboo forest. Oh, it's crazy, crazy good. And they got big the Bengal tigers. They got them roaming around. They put a camera and they at night and then they seen all the weird animals. And one animal came in, they didn't know what it was. It wasn't on in anybody's books. It was just some weird, weird oh, wow. looking. Yeah. 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 A few yeah. years back I went um so here in Nagano, we've got the the snow monkeys. It's these monkeys who take little baths in the hot springs. Yeah. So I went on the trip up there awesome. and we're walking towards it, and I suddenly see this thing come out of the woods. And I'm like, what the hell is that? It's this animal I'd never seen before. It was like this weird wolf goat. And I mean, uh -huh. when, I, when I got home, I looked <laughs> it up. It, it is an animal. It's, um, it's called like a Japanese sero. But I thought like, you know, at this point in my life, I didn't think there were new animals I didn't know about. I figured yeah. I'd seen all the animals at this point. <laughs> so oh, yeah. The thing walks out of the woods. Like... I thought it's like some mountain <laughs> god. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's why big, Bigfoot it's really the emperor, does exist. Yeah. yeah, there really is a Bigfoot, and there's what a Bigfoot in every country. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love the I, mountains. I want, I really want Bigfoot to exist. Like I, I'm true. I'm a true believer. I want Bigfoot to be real. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. he, he's out yeah. there somewhere. I try not to yeah, believe yeah. in anything, but yeah, I, I like to think about Bigfoot. But if you're going right? to believe in anything, you should believe in Bigfoot. Oh, Mark, what you need to do is <laughs> sure. grow, your, grow your hair out, 
just leave your life behind, go live in the woods, and be the Bigfoot you want to see in the world. <laughs> you're right, man. Well, you, I'm, you, I'm hairy. Look at my arms. There you go. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you would last about what? Uh, maybe a month. <laughs> yeah, you're giving me a lot of credit there. Maybe uh, because five days. the thing is, you humans have humans have an odor. Yeah, you know, we can't help it, and so bears can smell it like a mile away. You know, oh, yeah. Well, they're trained. You know, they get they, my dog. I got a little poodle. That little sucker, man. He can smell rats and all sorts of things running around and, and I don't see him. No one sees him, but he can see him. Yeah, animals are very perceptive. They can smell everything. Well, what, what's, uh, okay, with Japan, uh, my question is antique stores. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can find lots of, like, cheap stuff because Japanese, they don't like used stuff. You can know, you they get stuff buy that's stuff. older than the entirety of America there? Like in an antique store? I uh, know, because America uh, bombed it all. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, every now and then you can find something insanely old that's not that right. So, yeah. Um, but no, because a lot of things in Japan, they're made. Then Things in Japan are not actually made to last that long. So even if you mm. go to like a temple or a castle that says like, oh, it's 1,200 years old, it actually gets rebuilt like every 60 years. Yeah. Yeah, everything. I, that's I, a pretty I, good philosophy. Yeah. The country shakes like crazy, right? So you can't build things yeah. out of brick that's going to last forever. Oh, right, right. I watched. Makes sense. I watched. Where was it? Uh, where the Muslims? Uh, they re, re. It was in Africa, mm. where they re mud. Right. The, yeah, yeah. The the temple. Uh, did you see that? Where it's a festival and everybody is just covered with mud, and you carry buckets of mud up to the roof. And then uh, girls carry buckets of water, and 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 it's one big mud bath, <laughs> you know. And and right. I, I imagine all the those Japanese well, the Japanese woodwork is is yeah. Insane. They they built these incredible structures, and there's not a single nail in it. It all just no. slides together these these amazing ways. Yeah, my amazing, wife, uh... and they do it with hand tools. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, my wife's so, family yeah, house I, is pretty old. Um, it's like kind of cool because there's like a four tatami room space so yeah. uh, that's the old part of the house like it didn't have a toilet or anything right so uh this is the uh, one i spent the night at yep in the countryside right yeah 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 well yeah and don't forget the cool hedges oh yeah there's a like whole hedge, like hedge animals yeah there's a whole garden outside i mean i go there i make music whenever i can because it's just like man this is like you can't do it in a better place than this now can you grow marijuana there Oh, man, no, they are really strict on any kind of drugs here. That's also our fault, too, right? Still, yeah. I mean, America's yeah. fault. <laughs> well, um, the <laughs> thing about Japan, the way their uh, constitution works, once a law is put on the books, it's really difficult to take off the books. So once they, yeah. make, once they criminalized it, it will take a very long time to legalize it. So Japan doesn't oh, have geez. like a moral issue of any kind. They couldn't care less about that. But just the fact that it's illegal is an issue. That's yeah, yeah. they they really follow the rules here. <laughs> Especially well, on Northern when, when, Island. There's like Alpine, like wild stuff growing. Uh, I've heard if you go yeah. to the Northern Islands, you'll, you'll, you can find it. But yeah, it's not something. So yeah, you speak to a Japanese person. They're like, you say, oh, do you want to smoke some weed? They're like, yeah, sure. I'll go to Canada and smoke some weed. So they're not opposed to doing it, but they will never do yeah. it in Japan. In, in Japan, yeah, but yet they have those little pipes that are perfect for 
hash or, or opium or, you know, those little, those little uh, smoking pipes. Yeah. And apparently yeah, shrooms used first to be time. really common before the World Cup. Yeah, well, you, you know, I went, yeah. When I, when I went to Japan, uh, I forget what year it was. But anyway, it was after I got out of prison. So I think it was around 07, somewhere. Yeah, probably 07. Anyway, uh, you know, they tell you, don't lie. You know, so I told them about my drug bust, you know, my pot, my pipe bongs, mm. you know, and, and the guy, he looked at my Rolex watch and he looked at my gorgeous wife, her expensive clothes. And so he told me, he says, okay, um, when they ask you, you lie. <laughs> you lie. No drugs. You lie if they ask you. But go on in. Thank you. Yeah, they, they let us in because, you know, the tourist money and, uh, and they, it, it, you know, it wasn't a, a, you know, it wasn't like Paul McCartney, you know. It was, uh, it was just a, a bong bust. But anyway, I, 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 I didn't have to lie. They, they, never asked, they never asked me after that. You know? Right. We're coming no. close to hour, but you, you just mentioned um, uh, the prison stint, which I've always thought if I ever got in prison, I'd just probably just like try and meditate my way as much into it, which it sounds like that's kind of what you did. You used it as a spiritual retreat or such. That's what I did. That's exactly what I did. I joined the Indian uh, Sweat Lodge Society. Every uh, uh, major penitentiary in in america is uh they're, they're told to have a sweat lodge for the natives to practice their religion and so the one i was in we had a sweat lodge and we had indian grounds and it was a camp so it wasn't uh you know walls or wire and so we lived in the desert but we we the the camp i mean the indian grounds was backed against the prison and so when you looked out all you saw was desert, no, no fences, no nothing, just desert. And uh, the desert was magical. It was so good. And the Indian grounds, the animals kind of felt the vibe, you know. And so the, everything, there was every kind of animal, badgers, there were snakes, there was all kinds of, of critters in the Indian grounds. And, and not, not living, but just hanging, hanging out, you know. And, and there's wild rabbits and uh, also it was a very special place. And then we did the sweat lodge every Saturday and it was, and we took all day, you know, heating the rocks and then bringing them in, you know, doing the whole thing. And the only one time the prison decided to, to show their, that it really is a prison. And they made us all get out of the sweat lodge and stand there and, and be identified as, as who we are, you know. <laughs> it was symbolic but in the end uh the the gardener was japanese uh the head gardener uh mr ono and so mr ono and i got along really well because i had another friend that ran the garden uh, he was a golf caddy named eric larson and so we eric larson arranged for me to take uh, the first time i went to the garden I, they kicked me out because uh I missed a count. You know, I was supposed to be by my my bunk at two o'clock, and I missed it. And so I was barred from the garden. But Mr. Ono taught a course in 
in, in uh, gardening. <laughs> and so I took, I signed up for the course. And so then as soon as I w- had a reason, then I hung out there all the time. But one time, Mr. Ono, I had a little, little area where I could a little carve, do carvings and do my art. And uh, one time Mr. Ono brought a big front loader of uh, clay that he had found in the, in the desert, pure clay, beautiful. And so I, I spent the rest of my time making bongs, clay bongs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, and then yeah. I, had to, I had to fire them up. And, I, and, and by that time, I was really, uh, you know, quite well known in the prison. You know, I was a celeb there. And so, uh, so I even met the warden of the big prison. Like he was the main warden of every, there was a big real prison next door to the camp. The camp was back behind it. And the camp held about 400 people. And, uh, and the big prison held, uh, you know, a couple of thousand. And they were hardcore with the walls and everything else. And so the warden, we used to come into the camp and uh, gas up his car and get his car washed and everything. And so I had heard through the grapevine of people that worked there, because prisoners run prisons. Mm. You know, you can find out about everything. And so I asked them, they told me about a kiln that would bake my, my bombs and it was stuck in a warehouse. So I asked the warden, I met the warden. I asked him if uh, he could release the, the, the kiln and he said he could, but he never did. And so me and a, uh, another guy built a kiln on the Indian grounds. And because uh, the weekend, there was hardly any guards there. We fired it up on the weekend and we had a, we had a big, a railroad tie burning trying to get it hot enough we never did get it hot enough but it was fun trying and we were talking just now about the difference between like moral and legal and it's crazy to think that you went to prison for drug charges and now you're meeting billionaires to open like your weed shops <laughs> isn't that yeah, something that's what's we, that like 10 we, 15 years apart uh, the, 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 pandem- the pandemic released from prison <laughs> right now yeah the oh yeah. Big... yeah we we, we got to get them out we got to get them out yeah, yeah we're working on that now well you know there the lot of american prisons are, are privately owned oh yeah and they're it's, not under, it's the new they're slave under, force, right they're not under any restrictions you know they're not saving any money if they let you out early you know mm-hmm. like the government if the government's paying for everything you know they don't want people in there it costs money but if it's private these and what they do, they they use the prisoners as cheap labor. Yep. Because you got them in there, and and you're paying them like twenty. I I got paid fifteen cents an hour for working, and that's the kind of wage they give you. And believe it or not, uh, it it those guys work their ass off for that little bit of money, and then they use it in the commissary, and so they have to buy buy prison stuff with their prison wage. It, it, it's it's pretty disgusting and my friend uh, the golf caddy he was he was working he was in about three or four different prisons and he was in one where they made missiles wow uh, yeah interballistic missiles and, and uh and that's what's going on in the in the private prisons yeah we got to change that yeah. commit a bigger crime or at least uh do the groundwork for a bigger crime because uh, uh... Once you've shot the missile, you know, the war is always over. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's what they that's what they say. Oh, what do you think of this idea for the Iraqi war? Not Iraqi, the Afghani war. I figured out a way to bring the uh, interpreters back. And you know how that is? Go on. Hire them as uh, movie actors. <laughs> do a movie. Do a movie about their interpreters. And hire each and every one of them and their families as actors in the project and make the project go for at least a couple of years, which isn't hard to do. And and then all the interpreters will have to join the, the guilds, you know, the actor guilds and everything else. They have to be paid. They have to be housed and clothed and uh, taken care of. And And so if the project goes for five years or so, by that time, they'll be able to assimilate and uh, and either remain actors or do whatever you know they're trained to do. And isn't that a great idea? Better incentive in the takes, army. <laughs> and, and it takes away from the government trying to see because the government they're not equipped, but movie companies are equipped to to handle people yeah. because that's their job. It's it's about handing handling people, getting them schooling. And, you know, because when I did, uh, when I was on the, uh, uh, that 70s show, you know, all the, most of the cast went to school, at least uh, uh, Mia, uh, she, she went to school and, and she had to graduate. She, you know, she, it was serious business. And, and, and so the, the movie companies have the ability to, uh, to take care of, of people. And that's what the government, you know, they're, they're, they're terrible at that. True that. Um, I think we're, we're going over the time we, we originally mentioned, which doesn't bother us, but uh, if you do, I, I guess we can wrap it up a bit. And um, Tommy, what, what's going on? You, you've got the uh, dispensary business, hopefully on the way soon. Is there anything else uh, rolling? Maybe some media? Well, we're, we're uh, definitely, uh, we closed the deal on a San Francisco dispensary. Our first, or second one, actually. We got one in Cathedral City and uh, <clears throat> uh, near Palm Springs. <clears throat> and then uh, good news on the CBD front, uh, people are finding out that they can lose weight using my CBDs uh, oil oh, yeah. because it gives, oh, yeah, it, dude, it, I... it gives them energy. And, yeah, and I, so um, they can start. CBD they is can a start. huge help. Yeah. yeah. I use that to so it, the... it, um, eliminate my compulsive eating. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Isn't that something? CBD yeah. is good for diet, for diet. And then THC is just good to get high with, you know. That's yeah. that's why I do it. <laughs> but other than that, man, uh, uh, you know, everything's going good. We're, we got a documentary. We're still working on it. You know, it's been five years now, but uh, so what? <laughs> There's no rush. <laughs> You know, everything's good, man. And and thank you for letting me be on your show. I really appreciate it. No, thank definitely thanks for coming thank in. Thank you for everything. Very groovy. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, we'll see you next time, huh? Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks again. Cheers. Thank you. Adios. So long. Okay, Luke, uh, I guess that gives a, a nice spot for you to do the thing. <clears throat> Yeah, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at MLSFSPod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. And if you want to support this podcast and the other podcasts we create, 
You can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. And if you've enjoyed the music you heard in this podcast, you can find more of Matt's music at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. See, I do the podcast with Mark and he watches me just stutter over myself for like uh, You can minutes. find um, MLSFS and then I make fun of at Twitter, Facebook. Speaking of which, Mark, you've got puppets, you got music. What's What's cooking? Hi, my name is Mark, and my studio was destroyed by a tree. You can just find me on a podcast or two on this here network. Okay. I'd like to give my plugs to them. This is what you do now. Podcastio Podcastius. Podcastio Podcastius. Podcastio Podcastius. Please support all the Podcastio Podcastius podcasts. Okay, sounds good. Um, Oh, man, who does the outros now? Mark, you can do it out. Uh, Mark does but... the outro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll get in your van made of weed and light it on fire and drive out of this sanctuary. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. friend marty who'd been to japan a bunch of times was a fan of these little fish that you just eat the whole thing they have like the eyes and the face on them and everything oh everything matt, everything have you ever eaten those matt the eye yeah that's what the little ones right yeah, yeah they're like you know like little yeah that's what my like wife finger shape chasing me around that's what she keeps chasing me around with yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dude i was like do you, do, you have, do you have children do you have children yeah i've, I've got a, a daughter so she'll eat the fish Oh, it's a little, 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 little hybrid then, huh? <laughs> Up here comes um, the the Luke member. Yeah. Uh, right one what? card. Luke's there. No, yeah. no, you. Uh, Luke's here. Not an image view yet. I went galley view. There we go. Okay. I guess he's connecting. Here he comes. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Hey, Luke. Oh, there you go. Good morning. Uh, good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever it is. Whatever good works morning. for you. Eight in the morning for us. So, okay, th- th- this is the full crew then. Uh, so, Tommy, right. what? Basically, I, you know, we're just gonna let things go where they go. Uh, we'll do an introduction. Uh, the plan is to, of course, talk about up and smoke a little bit. But, um, you know, sure. We want, uh, as we said, we we definitely want to talk about Godzilla as well. Um, that's you know, <laughs> that that's a big thing. And then just you know, any I Chong thoughts? Uh, that's one of the reasons I was like, man, I really want, I really want this guy. <laughs> you know to on because just some of those concepts and ideas are just very cool so i want to get into some of those okay well you lead the way my master and i'm there okay uh you need to record anything matt uh go ahead and i'm recording but go ahead and do it as well doesn't hurt just the zoom yeah all right just in case something you have to give me permission Oh, okay. Let me see. Was it like a vampire going to your house? Something yeah. like that. You just have to say it. You have to say it. 
mute allow participants lock meeting ask all to, I, i'm not finding it but uh it, it is recording so it says recording yeah i'm so. sure yours will be fine okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah you've been in japan for a while haven't you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> It's working or it's not. Oh, whatever. It's okay. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> last time I was in the States was 2010. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I've been to Japan since the last time he's been here. Which is were you were you there for the were you there for the tsunami? I was. I was teaching on the sixth wow. floor of a of a building and it was like the earthquake ride at Universal Studios. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Except I just the watched the, I, I watched the what is it, I guess the 10 year anniversary. It was pretty incredible. Have you seen that? It's a documentary. I, I haven't seen that. I probably should check it out. But yeah. Oh, you know, check like... it out. <laughs> it's incredible. It shows, you know, and, and you know what it showed more than it, that real. I was really impressed. The, the little the little refugee houses they had after, you know. And, and, and it showed the people in there and, you know, the Japanese, man, they're so neat and tidy. They've got these these little places and they look like mansions, you know, <laughs> they're so together, you know, with everything. Yeah, we passed no, a few of those they, on the trains in Nagano. So there's uh, yeah. still, some are still up. Yeah, yeah it's uh, Japan's incredible. You're so lucky, man. <clears throat> You're so lucky. You think the Japanese are neat and tidy until you go in their houses. It's like uh, they, keep, they keep their rest of their life so tidy. Their house, they just chuck stuff everywhere. Oh yeah, it's, it's like yeah, a hoarder's house. Well, they got no shelves or closets, you know. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I dig it. I dig the Japanese lifestyle. Everything about it, except I get gout when I eat, uh, you know, the seafood. When I was in uh, uh, Kyoto, I got uh, the worst case of gout that I had to go to the doctor. And they, uh, <laughs> the doctor gave me this big ass needle, man, in the foot. Woo! I'll never forget that. Oh, no. But it, 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 it fixed it, whatever it was, you know, it fixed it. Yeah. Apparently, they got gout over there quite a bit because of the diet. Yeah, actually, yeah, one of our colleagues did, actually. And the, my uh, Scott in Tokyo, he also uh, has the gout. So I guess it is a thing here. Huh. I'm glad I don't eat the fish then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my friends has had a problem with it for years, and then he just recently yeah. started dating like a pescatarian. So they just ate fish yeah. for a long. He assumed the fish was okay for it, and then the uh, doctor was like, "Actually, no, no. it's been no, the worst. It's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. Well, the thing is, it depends on where you grew up. You see, I went to a dermatologist, and she said said to me because I grew up, in, you know, in the mountains, kind of in, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, it, my body's not equipped to handle a lot of seafood. And so she said a little bit, you know, now and then. But for the most part, stick to the diet that you grew up with, you know, and you'll be OK. And I've been doing that. Um, and I screw up eating hot dogs. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I like the vegetarian diet. I, I'm on it now. and You know, it's kind of I'm a, I'm a vegetarian, but I eat meat once in a while. So. So yeah, moderation okay. is not, best. Yeah, including moderation. 